0: Well, we are in a series uh, on the book of Philippians. Today is part four of this series, and we're going to look today at the uh, first part of chapter three. Uh, and we're going to, and how, we're to, how we are to view Messiah compared to everything else we have in this life. So, so turn with me, if you will, to Philippians 3, beginning in verse 3. Philippians 3, 3 through 11. For it is we who are the circumcision says. It's we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Messiah Yeshua, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Do I myself have reasons for such confidence? For for other, for, uh, if others think they have reasons, put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day are the people of Israel, are the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the Torah, a Pharisee, as to zeal, Persecuting the Messianic believers. As for righteousness based on the Torah? Faultless. But wherever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Messiah. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Messiah Yeshua, my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Messiah. And be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own. That comes from the Torah. But that which is through faith in Messiah. A righteousness that comes from God. On the basis of faith. I want to know Messiah. Yes to know. The power of his resurrection. And the participation. In his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow. Attaining to the resurrection. From the dead. Amen. Paul says here, go back to verse 7, Paul says here in Philippians 3 verse 7, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss. I consider everything a loss, everything rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Messiah, Yeshua, my Lord. Paul has just gone through this whole list of his credentials, his achievements, and he calls them all rubbish. Compared to knowing Messiah. And by the way, the translators here are too skittish to give you the actual word that's used here in Greek. Uh, the word is not rubbish. But literally, the word is excrement. Or dung. <laughs> you can put your own word in there. <laughs> so but this is what Paul is saying in fact, Let's put it in our modern vernacular. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, you know my three PhDs I have from Harvard? You know my Congressional Medal of Honor? You know my two Pulitzer Prizes? all crap <laughs> all crap compared to the surpassing worth of knowing beside yeshua my lord and being found in him you know when the sun comes up in the morning you can no longer see uh, the star the glory of the stars because the sun eclipses the glory of the sun eclipses the glory of the stars and likewise all of our glories uh, our accomplishments uh, our, our championships, our money, our influence, our power, our popularity, our romance, all these things would shine so brightly in our eyes. Paul says all these things fade into nothingness compared to the brilliance, the surpassing greatness, literally in Greek, the super thing of gaining Messiah Yeshua and being found in him. Paul says being found in Messiah Yeshua is so amazing and fulfilling and the ultimate meaning of life that all my prior priorities uh, that used to control and influence and, and drive me no longer matter and no longer have any control or influence over me paul says not in the torah not in the law of god or anything else but in yeshua and yeshua alone is my righteousness now, now, this word righteousness is very interesting because righteousness is our most fundamental need. It's also our most fundamental problem as well. And righteousness is also the most valuable gift that you can receive from God. And Paul says that it's found through faith in Messiah Yeshua. Now, most people, if you ask them today, they would say that righteousness means, it means being a good person, living a good life. But that's not how the Bible defines righteousness. Paul gives us here a list of these impressive uh, credentials that he has as as an Orthodox Jew, his Orthodox Jewish credentials. So look at Philippians 3, verse 5. He says, I'm circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, I'm of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the Torah, I'm a Pharisee, the the highest level of of observance. Uh, As for zeal, persecuting the Yeshua followers. As for legalistic righteousness... Faultless. These were all great credentials for Paul to have. Circumcised on the eighth day, that means he was a natural born Jew, uh, not a later convert to Judaism. Of the tribe of Benjamin, that that was one of the one of the the only two tribes that was loyal to the house of David. So he's referring here to his ethnic purity, uh, which was extremely important in his day. When he says, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's referring to uh, the fact that that many Jews of his day were Hebrew on the surface, but underneath they were Greek. Uh, They were Hellenized. Greek-speaking, Greek uh, Greek in their culture, in their thinking, in their worldview. But for Paul, his his mother tongue was Hebrew. Uh, He was was culturally Hebrew. He was culturally Jewish. Uh, He was ethnically ethnically pure and culturally pure. He was a Pharisee. The strictest, most outwardly devout uh, of all the Jewish sects. He had the Torah memorized He was scrupulous in his Torah observance. uh, Also, in all the additional rabbinical decrees and and fences. He was faultless in his legalistic righteousness. He followed all the rules and regulations of the Pharisees. Uh, He persecuted the Messianic believers. He was zealous for what he perceived at the time as the true Judaism. So much so that he took a leadership role in trying to stamp out the issue of followers. So Paul lists all these great credentials... In essence, he's giving you his resume. And it's a drop-dead resume. It's a great resume. Listing all his impressive Jewish merits uh, and accomplishments and qualifications. All his reasons to put confidence in the flesh. These were Paul's righteousness. His confidence. His glory. These were the things that he boasted in. Now he says this in verse seven, Philippians 3, verse 7. But wherever it gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Messiah. Now all of us have our own individual resumes, right? Whereby we seek to earn our own righteousness. All of us, we we compile a resume by which we seek to face the world and ourselves and God. And and we all do it. uh, Whether you're conscious of it or not. Because you know deep down that you're naked and you're trying to clothe yourselves with your own righteousness. We say to God and to the world and to ourselves, this is why you should accept me. We all have our list of credentials, uh, our, our list of, of our righteousness. Uh, so righteousness, it's our most fundamental need. But it's also our most fundamental problem. Uh, uh, And as Paul, Paul, this Pharisee of Pharisees, he shows us this is especially a problem for us religious people. Religious people, yeah, we know sin is wrong. But we also have a problem of putting too much reliance on our own good deeds. And putting confidence in them. And thinking, well, God now, unconsciously thinking, well, God now owes me. Unconsciously trying to remain in control of our own life and thus trying to be our own Savior and Lord. That's why Paul says all these great credentials of his, his, he now considers loss, considers even as dung, for the sake of knowing Messiah Yeshua and being found in him. Thus getting a true righteousness, not based on his religious credentials, but based on trust in Yeshua, who, who, who Yeshua is and what he's done for you. Paul says, I now realize uh, that my only resume is the one that God gives me in Messiah Yeshua. So righteousness is not only our greatest need and our greatest problem, it's also our greatest gift. Uh, So Paul, if you will, he takes a piece of paper and he lists two columns on the paper. Uh, On one side, he lists all the good things this world has to offer, all the great things. And above that list, he writes one word, loss. Loss loss and in the other column he only has one word yeshua and above that column he writes gain because the best things this world has to offer are like dung compared to messiah now that is a very different way to think that is a very different way to live That is a radically different Messiah faith than the one so often practiced in America today. That's a radically different Yeshua faith than the one practiced in most churches and even most Messianic synagogues today. Because you can have all the great religious credentials, just like Paul had, all the great things this world offers a good family life, good social status, a nice house, a nice car. Nice job, nice vacations. You can have all the biblical knowledge and religious activity. You can lead a good moral life. You can have all these things and still not have Yeshua. So I exhort you get through the rubbish, get through the dung, and get to the real question Do you know Yeshua? more more to the point, is Yeshua your life? Is Yeshua so much your life that you would say all the best things in my life from family to finances to possessions to pleasures uh, to comfort to safety and health and wealth and success, you would say all these things all together don't compare to the treasure that I have in Messiah Yeshua. And this is the testimony of men and women throughout the Bible. So, for example, Job. Job says, even if God takes it all away, and then he, God did, right? My land, my home, my possessions, my health, my children. If he takes it all away, and even my friends and even my wife uh, question me. I will still have my joy and my hope and my life. Why? Because he says in Job 19.25 on the overhead, please. Because he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And even after my body has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. Oh, my heart yearns within me. God, make us like Job. Make us like Hannah, who, who admits her longing for a son. She cries out in 1 Samuel 2, 2, verse 6. The Lord brings death, and he makes her life. He brings down to the grave, and he raises up. Lord, make us like Moses. We read this in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Messiah as of a greater value than all the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. This is such a different way to think. This is such a different way to live. And it affects everything. This affects how we view the world, and we everything that the world says is so important. Uh, money, uh, and fame, and popularity, uh, and beautiful bodies, uh, and athletic achievement, uh, uh, and power, and comfort, and passing pleasures. We realize it is all rubbish compared to the surpassing glory of knowing Messiah Yeshua and being found in Him. Because He is our life. So I want you to ask yourself today this probing question. Is Yeshua my life like that? Is he my life? Can we, can we stay with Paul in Philippians 3 verse 9? I want to be found in Messiah. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which is through faith in Messiah. A righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. In Yeshua, God gives you the perfect resume. On this basis, what does Paul then say? He says in verse ten, Philippians three ten. He says, "I want to know Messiah and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, so that somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead." Paul says he wants to know the power of Messiah's resurrection. Yeshua Himself says this about it in John eleven twenty five. He says, "I am the resurrection." And a life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Now, by the way, there are two sides to believing in the resurrection and its power. Uh, it's both a fact to be believed, and it's also an experience that you must personally connect with. And you got to have both. For example, if you believe it's it's just a fact, but you've never personally experienced the power of the resurrection in your life, then your faith is a dead faith. Then your faith is no greater than a demon's faith, because we're told even the demons believe and shudder. They shudder. They believe in the fact of the resurrection because they know it's true, but they don't love it. They don't personally experience its saving power. On the other hand, if you think of the resurrection only as some kind of spiritual experience, but you don't really believe it as a fact that it actually happened, then it's just some subjective internal feeling of yours. then you have a dead Savior because he was never really raised from the dead if you don't believe in the resurrection. And so, again, you have a dead faith. So either way, if you don't believe in the resurrection as a literal fact, or if you've never personally experienced the new birth of the resurrection in your life, That in either case, you have a form of religion without the power thereof. The Bible clearly teaches the resurrection as an historical fact. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, just 20 years after the death and resurrection of Yeshua, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, Yeshua appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Paul says anyone who wants to examine the evidence of their resurrection can easily do it. There are 500 people that the risen Yeshua appeared to all at once. Eyewitnesses. Public testimony. Go check it out. Speak to them. They're still alive. People don't have group hallucinations. And this wasn't some ancient legend. Uh, these 500 people are, are living eyewitnesses, he says. Paul wrote this just 20 years after the event. Not hundreds and hundreds of years later, you know, uh, like, like some of my legends grow up. So he says, he tells his readers, you know, go check it out. The scriptures clearly attest that Yeshua wasn't resurrected merely in some spiritual way, or just his memory or his spirit or his teachings live on. No. He was literally, physically, bodily resurrected as an historical event. When Paul testifies before the Roman governor Festus and, and the Jewish ruler uh, Herod Agrippa, he says this to, to Festus in Acts uh, 26, uh, 36, uh, uh, 26, 26. He says, King Agrippa, he's familiar with these things, the account of the re- resurrection. I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice. Why? Because it wasn't done in a corner. Paul said this was an historical fact publicly attested to. And all the original apostles, they died for this testimony. And all all of them, except John, who he was tortured and exiled. None of them had anything to gain by by making up a story. None of them ever recanted, whether they turned the world upside down through the power of their resurrection, the power of the new life in Yeshua. A while back, I saw one of these so-called religious documentaries on PBS, uh, and as usual, they had on some very liberal cleric. uh, And they asked him, "Do you actually believe in the resurrection?" And he says, typical answer, he says, well, the purpose and the personality and the power that was in Yeshua, that continues. So that today, he's a risen and living presence and possibility. In other words, he said the spirit of Yeshua lives on, but of course, he's physically dead. But that's not what the scriptures say. And that's not what the original Messianic Jewish followers believed. And if he's not really risen but just his spirit lives out and as some kind of example, uh, then you can only know him as an example uh, and not a real, living, life-transforming presence. If he's not really risen, you can't talk to him. He can't talk to you. He can come, He cannot come in and, interve- and intervene in your life. So if you don't believe uh, in the physical resurrection, you have a religion only of form, not of power. But on the other hand, you can be very orthodox about your belief in the resurrection, but if you've never had a personal and profound experience of that resurrection, if you haven't actually experienced your own spiritual resurrection, then you also have a religion of form without substance, a dead faith, not a saving faith. So, my question to you today is do you have both? Do you believe the resurrection as an historical fact? And have you personally experienced its power and its reality in your life? Paul cries out, I want to know Messiah. And the power of his resurrection. Do you know Messiah and and his resurrection in your life? As a personal, life-transforming way. Resulting in your spiritual rebirth. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17. He says, if Messiah uh, uh, hasn't been raised, if he's not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And then we who fall asleep, those and those who fall asleep in Messiah, they're lost. If only for this life we hope in Messiah, we of all people are most to be pitied. Yeshua was raised physically. And when we repent and put our trust in him, we are raised spiritually. Again, Paul says in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Messiah and the power of his resurrection. This is the highest ambition and goal of life. Paul says, I count everything else as loss. Paul says, look, I'm proud of being a Jew. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm proud of being a Benjamin, a Benjaminite. I'm proud of the fact that I know the law of God backwards and forwards. That I obey the law of God. But when I became a Yeshua follower, those things that I used to glory in, those things that were my pride and my identity, and my highest ambition, my religious observance, my family life, my my national pedigree, these were all eclipsed by the surpassing worth of knowing Messiah Yeshua, my Lord. Is that likewise your passion, your highest priority, your life? Paul says, Philippians 3, 7, but whatever were gained to me I now consider loss for the sake of Messiah. Can you today say the same thing? Is your overriding passion and desire and drive to know Messiah and the power of his resurrection? To be a Yeshua follower is not just to believe in a set of propositions, but to say, I count everything as loss. I count everything as rubbish. Nay, dung." compared to knowing Messiah Yeshua and the power of his resurrection. Can you say that today? Somebody with this type of life-changing passion for Yeshua can be compared to somebody who's wearing glasses, eyeglasses, because you see everything through your glasses. And if you're not wearing your glasses, it adversely affects everything, your perception of everything. A person with a passion for Yeshua looks at everything through the spirit of Yeshua indwelling them. So, for example, how do you today deal with your worry and anxiety? You go to Yeshua. You rest in Yeshua. Uh, You remember what he's done for you. Uh, and, And that life in him is greater than all your worries and greater than all your anxieties. How do you deal with your bitterness? You go to Yeshua. You say, Yeshua, you're the judge. I'm not the judge. Look at how much you have forgiven me. I release that person into your hand, and I release my bitterness against, that I have with against them. How do you deal with your fear? You go to Yeshua. He is the, your strong tower and your deliverance. How do you decide what to spend your money on? You go to Yeshua, and you ask him, why? Because he's the one who gave you your money and your income in the first place. How do you decide who to date or court or marry? You go to Yeshua, and you submit it to him. And you ask him, is this the godly man or woman that you have for me? And will they lead me closer to you? And encourage me to seek you? And always put you first? Will they make a a godly mother or father for my future children? Do they even want children? Do they share my Messiah-centered worldview? If you have a passion for Yeshua, then you will see everything through that lens. Is that true of you? Paul says again, Philippians 3.10, I want you to know Messiah and the power of his resurrection. Now, you can't relate to Yeshua the way that a Muslim relates to Muhammad. Why? Because a Muslim knows that Muhammad is dead. So a Muslim, yes, they can relate to the example of Muhammad, or the teachings of Muhammad, or the spirit of Muhammad. But you can't actually relate to Muhammad. Because he's dead. But because Yeshua is risen. Because he's alive. Yeshua faith, Messianic faith, is radically different than every other faith on the face of the earth. Because he's risen, you can know him. You can have a personal interaction with him. You can sense that he's with you. You can have a personal relationship with him. And the overhead... D.L. Moody wrote this. Uh, He said, recently I've been having great times in prayer, usually once a week, sometimes every day. A pressure of his great love comes down upon my heart in such measure as to make my whole being groan beneath the joy. He's unlocked every apartment of my being and filled and flooded it with the light of his presence. The inner spot is touched, and all my flintiness is melted away. Do you see what he says? Once a week, sometimes, nay, once a day, Yeshua's love comes down. It's no longer just an abstract principle that God loves me, but it's rather an existential experience. Yeshua's love comes comes down, and, and, and it fills, and it floods your heart. That's what it means to know him. Have you ever sensed this? Have you experienced this? Or are you one that just says their prayers? Has Yeshua's love come down and touched the inner spot? Now because we're dealing with a real person, sometimes it's not only his love that comes down. Sometimes it's his rebuke. Or his correction. Or his instruction. But they come down because Yeshua is not an abstract principle. He is a real person. He's someone who you're living with. Someone you know and who knows you. Do you know Yeshua in this way? When Paul says, I count everything else as rubbish compared to knowing Messiah. That's the test. And that's the key way to distinguish between someone who has a form of religion versus someone who truly knows Yeshua. Someone who's just religious, if their life starts to not go so well, their career isn't going well, or maybe their love life isn't going well, they begin to say, what good is all this religion? Here I am, I'm going to shul, I'm keeping Shabbat, I'm keeping kosher, I'm being moral. Where's God in all this? But a true Yeshua follower Counts everything as rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Him. A Yeshua follower says, uh, "If these setbacks and these frustrations in my life, if they help me reach out more to Yeshua and get to know Him better, help me to become more dependent upon Him, helps me daily cling to Him in prayer, then great. I count all these other things as rubbish because of the surpassing thing is to know Messiah." Can you say that? Test yourself. That's what this whole chapter of Philippians 3 is all about. Paul says, everything that used to be number one in my life, that used to be my confidence and my glory and my identity, my Jewish heritage, my Torah study, uh, my ritual observance, they're all secondary now. I have one surpassing ambition to know Yeshua. And if trouble in my career or in my love life happens to me, and it's a way for me to know Messiah better, then that's fine. Why? Because I count all things as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Messiah Yeshua, my Lord. Paul says, I want to know the power of his resurrection, meaning I want to become more and more like him. Uh, the power of the, of the resurrection is the very uh, life energy that took Yeshua's dead body and raised it up. Uh, and what Paul is saying here, he's saying that the same power that came down into Yeshua's body and raised him up uh, can now come down into your dead soul and raise you up. This is talking about supernatural character growth. Becoming more and more like Yeshua. So look at all the dead stuff in your life. Look at your anger. How can that be turned into forgiveness? Look at your fear. How can that be turned into confidence? Look at your self-centeredness. How can that be turned into servanthood and self-sacrifice? Their answer is your dead stuff is taken over by the spirit of Messiah. The spirit of the living God indwelling you. And it's, taken, and it's taken over more and more as you fully make him your ambition and make him your hope and make him your life. And this allows the power of the Spirit more and more to transform you from within. I read a story recently of, of this minister visiting Italy. He saw a tomb of an unbeliever who had died uh, several centuries ago. And this guy who died, he was completely against Yeshua. But he was also a little bit afraid. So he had this huge, massive slab put over his grave so that he, w- so that he wouldn't be raised from the dead. <laughs> just in case there really was a resurrection at the end of time. He didn't believe in it, but, but just in case. And then he inscribed all over the tomb uh, these, these, these sayings, basically saying, I don't want to be raised from the dead. To whom it may concern, I don't believe in you. <laughs> but, but when he was buried just so happened that an acorn fell into the grave, and now 400 years later, that acorn had turned into a tree, and it grew up right through the grave, and split that stone slab in two. (laughs) Now, if an acorn, which only has the power of botanical life within it, can split a stone slab in two... How much more, we say in Hebrew, Kovachomer, how much more can Messiah's resurrection power not only raise you on the last day, but also transform your life now. Seek the power of his resurrection in your life. And then finally, lastly, Paul says again in verse 10, Philippians 3.10, I want to also know, this is the hard one, the fellowship of his sufferings. The fact is that when you boldly pursue Yeshua in a world of sin, you may experience suffering. But you can use that suffering to draw closer to Messiah. We'll put this on the overhead. good news is this, that when you're treasuring Messiah Yeshua above everything else in this world, then there's nothing that this world can do to you to rob you of your joy and your hope and your peace and the life that you have in Messiah Yeshua. And nothing can ever take that away from you. Nothing. Ever. That's why in Philippians back in chapter 1, Paul says that, he, that even being in prison is good. Why? Because it's serving to advance the gospel. Paul got to preach to the elite Praetorian guard. You know, the Green Berets of his day. <laughs> that were guarding him. That were chained to him in, in, in shifts. So even Paul, in Paul's chains, Messiah was being magnified. So we see here our suffering actually led to the spread of the gospel. So on the overhead again. So suffering leads not only to you and I treasuring Yeshua more and more, but suffering also leads to others seeing Messiah as the treasurer that he is. Paul says, here I am in prison. My freedom is gone. But look what's happening as a result. Uh, the whole imperial guard is hearing the gospel. Yeshua is being preached to what would normally have been the hardest people group to reach on the earth. Do not miss the connection here between suffering and the spread of the gospel. If you and I confess faith in Yeshua, and everything always goes well for us, the world will not take notice of you. The world will see you as being just like everybody else. You have all the comforts of the world, just like everybody else, and you simply tack on Yeshua on Shabbat. Big deal. Nice for you. But here's where things now take a radically, decidedly different turn on the overhead. When you lose some of the best, most valuable, most precious gifts that this world has to offer, and in the midst of suffering, you nonetheless have joy and peace and hope, because Messiah is in your life, then the world takes note of that. When that child is born with special needs that totally changes the entire life and your entire family and you're exhausted every single day caring for those needs and in the midst of your weakness, you say the strength of Yeshua is sufficient for me. The world takes note of that. When that cancer is killing your blood cells and you're walking through incredible pain. And in the midst of that pain, you proclaim, Yeshua alone is my peace. The world will take note of that. When you lose a spouse, and you're grieving like you've never grieved before, yet in the midst of that grief, you say, I trust in Yeshua. He is my king. I know he'll take care of me. The world will take note of that. Because in all these cases, that's a radically different way to live than the way the world lives. Because even in the midst of your pain and suffering and tragedy, you are glorifying and proclaiming Yeshua. Because when Yeshua is your life, Paul says that suffering can actually be what he calls a gift. In these ways of proclaiming the gospel and drawing closer to the Lord... And in Philippians 1, Paul even goes so far as to say, that when Messiah is your life, then dying for him and in him is your gain. He proclaims Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Messiah, and to die is gain. How is that possible? Because when everything, even the best things of this world, are in one column, under its heading of loss, and Messiah is in the other column, Under the heading of gain. Then when everything is taken from you. On the overhead here. everything's taken from you. Your spouse. Your children. Your possessions. Your job. Your health. Your very life. When all is gone. What will you have? You will have Yeshua. And you will have him. Like you've never had him before. More fully. And more finally. Than you've ever had him before. You will have Messiah. On the overhead, this is my question for you today as we close. Do you love Yeshua so much that to lose everything for him would be gain for you? Do you love Yeshua so much that to lose everything for him would be gain for you? That is a radical way to live. And as your rabbi, I am urging you today to believe this and to trust in this and to live this truth. To believe that Yeshua is better than romance, better than marriage, better than children, better than possessions, better than money, than education, than a dream home and dream vacations and a dream retirement. Yeshua is better than all of these very good things. Because Messiah is better than life itself. And when you believe this, you will live different in this world. You will live for Yeshua. For to live is Messiah. And to die in Him is gain. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Hallelujah. I'd like a music team to come up. Hallelujah. Father, today we publicly confess That all is rubbish, all is loss compared to the surpassing glory and worth of knowing Messiah and being found in him. All of our own credentials and status and accomplishments are nothing compared to the surpassing worth of knowing him, Yeshua being found in you, Yeshua, is so amazing and so fulfilling and it's the ultimate meaning of life, so much so that all of my prior priorities that used to control me and influence me and drive me no longer matter, no longer have any control or influence or power over me. Lord, if I were to list all the good things in this world, the other that this world has to offer in one column and put you, Yeshua, alone in the other column, That first column I would label loss, and Yeshua, I would label your column as gain. For whatever in the past were gains to me, I now consider loss for your sake, Messiah. Yeshua, not even the Torah, but you alone are my righteousness. Lord, help me now today to have, and forevermore to have this radical mindset. To understand and agree with and to live this radical, sold-out lifestyle for you. To consider everything is lost compared to the supreme worth of knowing and living for and being found in you. Yeshua, you are my life. You are my treasure. You are my passion. You are my number one goal. I want to know you and the power of your resurrection, and yes, even the fellowship of your sufferings. Help me, Lord, to be found in you, not having a righteousness of my own based on the Torah, but that which is based on faith in you. For it's in your name we pray, Yeshua. Amen. Shabbat shalom.